Now we are obviously we are beginning a new series of messages this uh, this week and over the next several weeks where we're going through rock theology too. Now what we're trying to do is we're trying to take some some older songs and uh, or some what we would call now classic songs and try to dig out some theology from them. Now, for those of you who are uh, 70s and 80s people, uh, you remember that one of the most popular bands during that time was The Police. And then in 1983, they wrote a song that did very well here called Every Breath You Take. And I'll just kind of, I'll just read through a little bit of the lyrics for you. Very simple. It says, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Now, in light of what's been going on just in, in our area over the last, really the last several days, there's a lot of people who are wondering, does anybody even know what's going on? Uh, that there's some people who feel like that they're all alone, they feel like that they are abandoned, and that's true with what's going on in the flood. There are some people who feel that way in their own personal lives, and sometimes that kind of feeling seeps over into our relationship with God, and we begin to wonder, is God even watching us? Does God even know what's happening? Why would God allow certain things to happen in life? And, and those are questions that I understand, and to be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of good answers. I don't know why there's some stuff that happens, but the only thing that I know to do is to just simply trust what Scripture says about our God. And what does it say about our God? It is that every breath you take and every step you take, God has His eye on His people. And so we're going to hopefully get some encouragement today as we look at King David, as we look in Psalm 121. If you want to turn there, we're going to look in Psalm 121, verses 3 through 8. And David gives us a great picture of God. And the picture of God that he gives us is that we have a God who has his eye on his people. A God who says that I'm going to watch over you, that I'm going to watch every step that you take. Now as you go to that section of scripture, just to let you know, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, it's a section of scripture that is known as the Song of Ascents. Now Ascents, of course, it's talking about a climb. It's talking about going uphill. And the reason for these psalms being labeled this is because the Jewish law required that the Jewish men during the high holidays that they had, whenever they celebrate holidays, it called for the, the men and their families to go to Jerusalem to walk up to the temple in order to worship God. And as they were walking up the temple, they would quote Psalms 120 through 134 as they were climbing up the Song of Ascents. And it was a way for them to remember God, to remember His promises, to give Him praise. And the, the very scripture that we're looking at today is as the people were walking up to the temple, they were, they were giving praise to God because they were saying, God, we are trusting and we believe that you have your eye on your people. That no matter what we're going through, God, you promise that you're going to be with us. And so very simply today, I just want us to look in our, in our text and just see some ways that God is a help to us in the midst of life. And I just find it interesting that, that we are looking at Psalm 121 this very week whenever we are a people, when we are a community that is wondering, does God even know what's going on? So here's the question. How does God help us? Well, let's look at our text today. How does God help us? First of all, He helps us by keeping our feet from slipping. 
And that's what it starts off with. And if you look in verse number three, it says, He, God, will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Now this phrase makes sense when you keep in mind the context of the Scripture. And the context of the Scripture is that there were the the families, the Jewish families, several times a year would make a journey to Jerusalem in order to worship God. And whenever they were traveling to Jerusalem, the main road to get there, and oftentimes it was like a three to four day journey. Didn't have cars, you know. I mean, they were riding camels. Most of the people were walking. So it's a three to four day journey. And the, the main highway they would come in on to go to Jerusalem was to go through the Valley of Jericho. Now, if you've gone up in the church, you've heard of Jericho. But just a little side note here is that Jericho is, is very close to the Dead Sea. It is the lowest point in all the earth. It is 1,400 feet below sea level. And if, as, you were, as you were going through the valley of Jericho, making your way up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is 3,800 feet above sea level. So 1,400 feet below, going up to 3,800 feet. It's the last 35 miles is an uphill climb. Sounds like a joy, doesn't it? I mean, how many of y'all like running uphill? And so as these people are walking uphill, they're they're, they're quoting this psalm. And they're saying, God will not allow my feet to slip. Now, it makes sense when you say that they're walking uphill, but it it means more than that. God is letting the people know, if you keep your eyes on me, if you you stay on the path that I've laid out before you, I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to make sure that your feet don't slip. And yet, in a lot of ways, for many of us, life, it can seem like this journey, and that it seems like with that life, so much of life is an uphill battle. It seems like there's so many times whenever we, we are walking along in life and we begin to look up and go, oh my gosh, i got to climb straight uphill here. And, and it just wears us out and it makes us tired. But we have the promise where God is saying, I will watch over you. And yet too many times we want to give up. Now, I see this in just about any area of life. I see this happens in marriage. There are people that, that it's a marriage for some people. It, it can be an uphill journey. I mean, it can be tough. And after a period of time, after being married for a while, it's very easy. I've seen this happen in a lot of couples' lives where it's like, you know what? We just, we've drifted apart. We no longer love each other. We no longer have the excitement for each other that we used to have. And then they begin to think, you know what? I think I'm just going to try something different. Example of this, just, you know, just a couple of months ago, uh, like even less than a couple of months ago, you might remember, there's a website that's called Ashley Madison. I don't know if y'all have heard of that before, but uh, there was a security breach on this website. Their motto is this, life is short, have an affair. And so it was a website that people would go to in order to be able to have extramarital affairs. Now here's what's stunning with the security breach. How many people were logged into that website? 39 million people from 50 different countries. With a security breach, it was discovered that there were politicians, there were religious leaders, there were entertainers that were on this website. Word got out. Guys, let me tell you something. It's been a mess. And so what we've seen now is, is we've seen people who are finding out. We are seeing husbands and wives deciding that they're going to get divorced. So people are looking for escape. Uh, there's others who are looking for escape by, by trying out and trying to forget about life through alcohol and drugs. But the point that is being made here is, listen, if you keep your eyes, or if you take your eyes off of God, what naturally happens is you're going to slip and fall. 
But Scripture says, keep your eyes upon the Lord, and God will keep your, your feet from slipping. God will give you a solid and sturdy foundation on which to walk. In 1 John 2, 15-17, it says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's lifestyle, it's not from God, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with its lust, it's passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. There's a boy that was selling a, a broken down lawnmower. And he was trying to hawk it off to whoever he could. And just a local pastor happened to walk by and he saw the boy. He ended up buying the lawnmower from the kid. And he said, trying to start it. So he bought it from him and he's sitting there pulling the cord. Nothing's happening. And so the boy walks over to him and said, listen, I, I watched the last guy who owned it. He said, the way you start it is you've got to kick it. He said, you kick it a few times and you start cussing at it. And then you can get it started. And so the pastor looked at the boy and said, son, he goes, I, it has been years since I've, since I've cussed. And the boy said, it's not that big of a deal. He said, you keep pulling that cord, it'll come back to you. <laughs> now, now, guys, if we keep you know, sort of pulling the cord in life, there's some old habits that very quickly can come back into our lives. But if you want to finish the journey of life well when the road starts to get steep, make sure that you keep your eyes upon God. And don't look back and say, this is how the world has just absolutely messed me over. And don't become, start throwing a pity party, but begin to look to God and say, God, my hope is in you, and I'm trusting that you will keep my feet on solid ground. The, the first two verses of Psalm 121 say this, I will lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, God has a course that he wants us to walk on. And there's a reason for it. It says, you keep your eyes on me, then I will guide you and I will direct you in life, even whenever life is tough. And I'll remind you that I am with you. Now, God never said life's going to be easy. But he did tell us, I will be with you. So whenever I look into our text, I mean, how does God help us? Well, he helps us in that he keeps our feet from slipping. But God also helps us by not sleeping on the job. God does not sleep on the job. And in verses 3 through 4, it says this. It says, He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Now, like I said, the people of, of Israel, as they, are, as they are ascending up into the temple, and they're walking a long way, and they're coming up to Mount Moriah, as they begin to get close to there, I mean, it is easy, that last uphill climb, and you're worn out. You are tired. And this made it a, a prime opportunity for, for robbers to kind of hide out on the side of the road, and they would ambush travelers as they, were, as they were heading up into Jerusalem to worship God. And it was very easy to quit being attentive as you were walking along, because you just get sleepy. I mean, have, have you ever been sleepy before? I mean, try your hardest not to be. I mean, I know for me, when, there's times whenever I'm driving... And I'll drive for a long period of time and then I start to get sleepy. There are some of you when you were sitting in church and you were listening to me talk. I see you getting sleepy. Okay, so we kind of we have that feeling. And, and, and you try to stay awake. And when I'm driving, I'm, I'm like, the best thing I could do is just pull over on the side of the road and just you know, get a little bit of rest. But I want to get the journey over with. So I just keep on driving. And then before long, it feels like you know, your eyelids weigh like five pounds a piece. And you're sitting there struggling. Like, well, I, what I'm going to do is, have you ever done this? I'm going to just shut my eyes for two seconds. 
and then I'll feel better. Yeah, that works out well, doesn't it? You, know, you shut your eyes and it's been like five minutes and then you wake up and you're in the median. And then whenever stuff like that happens, that is absolutely a never, that is never a smart idea. Well, as the people were making their way to Jerusalem, they, they, were, they were getting weary. They weren't as vigilant. But here's where they took comfort. They took comfort in the fact that the Bible said that God is always vigilant. That God is always watching out for his people. It says, the psalmist wrote that, that God doesn't even slumber. Now, the word slumber, it means tired. God never gets tired. So what's he doing? He's watching out for us. Refers to God as being a protector for his people. Another word for protector is watchman. You know what a watchman did? He'd go to the walls, the fortifications, and he would look out to keep a watch to make sure that no enemy was approaching them. And if an enemy was approaching them, then he would tell the people to begin to get ready, to be prepared so that they would not fall to the temptations of the enemy coming towards them. But for his word to matter, for the watchman's word to keep you safe, you had to be within the gates. You know, if you're outside the gates and the watchman says they're coming, it's too late. You know, you're, you're, you're going to end up suffering the consequences of being outside the city walls. Those kind of warnings aren't going to help you. Uh, I read a story about uh, miners. And whenever miners in the early days were working, they did not have very good ventilation systems. And so they'd go down into the mines. They'd be very susceptible to like methane gas and carbon monoxide. And many of the guys would die while they were down there. Here's what they discovered. They discovered that canaries are very sensitive to those gases. And so that, that there's oftentimes, you'll see in their old pictures, there'll be miners carrying canaries in cages down into the mines with them. And, and they would work and they would have confidence as they worked as long as the canaries were singing. Now, if the canaries ever quit singing or if you looked over in the cage and saw the canary dead, you know what that meant? Better get out of here. It meant that there was, some, there was a problem. But for that system to work, you had to have the canaries and you had to stay near the canaries. Now, guys, in life... There's a lot of things we're susceptible to. There's a lot of things that are going on in our world that can tear us down, that can break us down, that can kill us. And so that is why we want to be near God, to serve as our warning system. You know, James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, now, how does God help us? Well, he helps us by keeping our feet from slipping. How else does he help us? Well, he helps us by not sleeping on the job. That's the last thing I want you to see. How else does God help us? He helps us by being our shelter. The Bible says God is the shelter for his people. Now, let's look in, in verse number five. It says, the Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forevermore. Our text very simply tells us that our Lord is our shelter. Uh, another word for shelter is it tells us that our Lord is our shade. Now, now what is the purpose of shade? Well, the purpose of shade is to keep the sun off of you. The purpose of shade is to keep you from getting burned. And that is exactly what God is, is for us. God serves as a shelter. He serves as a shade for us so that we don't get burned by the things of this life. God, God serves as our shelter in order to protect us from the heat. Now, now for those of you who are fair-skinned, like me, you understand 
the importance of being in the shade. I mean, the, being in the shade is so important. If, you don't, if you're not in the shade and you are just like, you know, if, if you are white bread like me, what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. You ever been burned before? That's fun, isn't it? It's a great feeling. I, whenever I got married, Emily and I went to Hilton Head for our honeymoon, and we went down to the beach. We were down to the beach. I got the, you know, the sunscreen. I'm, I'm lathering up. I put it on everywhere except for my feet. We sat out at the beach all day. You ever burned your feet before? Man, it's fantastic. We sat out there all day, and my feet started hurting. Went back to the condo where we were staying. My feet swelled up. They were, y'all, they were so red. They swelled up like, there was not one wrinkle in my feet. I'm not lying. I had clown feet. And I was, I mean, I, it was the worst pain I've ever had. And so for the rest of the week, when we went to the beach, I was wearing like tube socks and tennis shoes with my bathing suit. I look like the biggest goober alive. But you know, I did not care because I was in pain and it hurt so bad. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. Now, now God's desire is to protect us from the heat of life. God wants to keep us safe. He wants us to be under his shelter, under his shade, so that we don't get burned by sin. And because when you get burned by sin, guys, it is, it is, so, it is so painful and hurts. Now, now, sin is attractive. Warmth is attractive. But if you're not covered up, no, oh, it'll burn you. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 6 says this. It says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, He Himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night. The arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Now here's the deal. Even though I know it's good for me to put on sunscreen when I go out, do you know there's a lot of times when I don't do it? Now it's not because I, 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 I look back and think, man, I remember when my feet got just absolutely fried. That was a great experience. I mean, it's, it's not that. Here's the deal. If, for, again, for all you really white people, it is a pain to put on sunscreen. You know, now they have that spray, but you know, the stuff that works really good, it's the lotion stuff. Hey, it's like, you know, your friends are all going out. Hey, y'all wait for me for 15 minutes, you know, while I put sunscreen all over my body and try to reach my back. I mean, it's such a pain to put it on. So what happens is all my friends are running out or I have family running out. I'm like, hey, y'all wait for me. And I'll just, I'll skip it and I'll go out with them. Now, I can have fun with them. The problem is there's a price to pay for me skipping that process. And that price to pay is I end up getting burned. And I'm frustrated at myself whenever stuff like that happens. Well, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. God says, listen, I, I want to give you protection. And yet we look out and say, well, I don't want to miss out on anything. And so we avoid God's protection and God's direction. And we go out. We go out into life without ever taking time to pray. And we go out into life without ever taking time to read God's word. And we get out quicker, but here's the problem. There's a price to pay. And the price to pay is that we end up getting burned and we end up saying things or we end up doing things that we would have never done had we taken time before we left to pray and say, God, give me your wisdom. Had we taken time and said, God, may you put a guard over my mouth so that I don't start shooting things out of my mouth that I should never say. 
And whenever we don't do that, then we end up getting burned. Now, now guys, unfortunately, we live in a day when instant gratification is key to everything. We want everything now. We want everything without being inconvenienced in any way. And there's trouble that comes with that. I read an article in the Boston Globe that said, our demand for instant results is seeping into every corner of our lives. And we know this. It says the need for gratification is nothing new, but our ex- expectation of instant has become faster. Here's what the article says. It says, retailers are jumping into same-day delivery services. Smartphone apps eliminate the wait for a cab, a date, or a table at a hot restaurant. Movies and TV shows begin streaming in seconds. But experts are saying that instant gratification is causing a major problem. You know what it is? Less patience. There was a study done with 6.7 million internet users. I just, this stuff fascinates me. Here's what they discovered. They said, how long does it take you before you start abandoning waiting for a video to load? You know how long it takes? Within two seconds, people start dropping. Within five seconds, 25% of people give up. Within 10 seconds, over half of the people who are waiting for the video leave the site. Isn't that interesting? I guess I'm afraid the same thing happens to us spiritually. I don't see God move immediately, I'm out. God doesn't answer my prayer today, I'm gone. Instant gratification has become king, but my hope is that we will begin to look at life through the long view. Now, now what is the long view with God? It's his protection. What is the long view with God? It is that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God has promised he's keeping his eyes on you, that God will serve as your GPS system in order to guide and to direct your life so that you can discover that there's hope regardless of any circumstance. Remember Psalm 46.1. This is a powerful verse. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. You know, the older I get, this is what I'm realizing more and more. And I need help. I need somebody to help me. You know, we, we've tried just about every avenue of life that you can think of in order to have help. And you know what we're discovering? It don't work. You know, we think, if I just have more money, if I just have more things, then life will be so much better. And then you get more money and you get more things, and what happens? You want more. You think, if I just have more education... Then it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna solve the problems of my life. But guys, let me tell you something. More education, I'm not saying it's bad, but more education, it's not gonna satisfy you. It's not gonna fill you up. There's some of us who believe, well, if I'm just in different relationships, if I just had a new partner, then everything in my life would be so much better. And then what we're discovering is that even if you get that, then you find yourself having the same problems again. See, there's only one answer to life. There's only one who can satisfy. There's only one who can remove the stain of sin from our lives and give us hope for a future. And that is Jesus Christ who came as our perfect sacrifice to remove the stain of sin. Does God help us? Does God know what's going on in our lives? Does he understand the pain that people are experiencing in their lives? You better believe it. Because whenever I look into the scripture, it says, our God says, I will not allow your feet to slip. Our God says, my eyes are always on you. I am not sleeping on the job. 
God says, if you'll trust me, I'll be your shelter. I'll be your shade to keep you from being burned by sin. Now let me close with this question. Where does your help come from? It's a question that was asked in Psalm 46 and in our text today in Psalm 121. Where does your help come from? My encouragement for you is to allow your help to come from the Lord. My encouragement for you is to trust that what God says is true. You say, why would I want to do that? Because God knows you. He's, he's the one who created you. He is the one who knows how you are supposed to work. He put us all together. Therefore, he understands what's best. You know what? And the neat thing to discover is you don't have to prove yourself to God. God just simply calls you to trust him. He calls you to place your faith in him, and then he will give you his grace. You know, there's a lot of people in need of grace. A lot of people in need of help this week. Might be some of you spiritually. And my hope for you is that you'll call on the name of the Lord. There are others who physically, monetarily, in their homes, in their businesses, they are devastated. My hope for you is that you will join with me in praying for them and praying that they will discover that their help will come from the Lord. And guys, one of the greatest ways for them to see their help coming from the Lord is through you and through me serving and praying and caring for them.